Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus, the leading podcast focused on transformation and change in the higher education space. On today's episode, we speak with Lisa Templeton, who is Vice Provost of the Division of Educational Ventures at Oregon State University. Lisa and podcast host Amr Alawalia discuss the expansion of Oregon State's micro-credentialing initiative and the importance of access and affordability for modern learners. Lisa Templeton, welcome to the Illumination Podcast. It's so great to be chatting with you. Well, it's so great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. So we are uh, live. We're in Washington, D.C. We're at the Opsia Acro Convergence Conference. It's a, a, a new conference really focused on alignment between continuing education and academic affairs as it relates to micro-credentialing. This is a topic that any regular listener of this podcast or any reader of The Evolution will know we are somewhat passionate about. Um, and now, Lisa, you are uh, the Vice Provost of the Division of, of Educational Ventures at Oregon State. It's a relatively new role. Prior to that, you were the Associate Provost of eCampus. And over the last 18 months, over an 18-month period, you and the team at Oregon State launched 36 different micro-credentials. You've awarded 300 badges. Why has Oregon State decided to expand its micro-credential footprint the way they have? Yeah, thank you. It's a great question. We are so excited to be piloting um, a micro-credential initiative for our university. And I guess the history of it is, Oregon State University is the land-grant institution of the state of Oregon, and we take um, providing access to learners um, inc- incredibly, it's incredibly important to us. It's, it's kind of the core at everything we do. And um, in my role at eCampus, we have been providing online degrees for many years. Um, as we've been expanding in my new role in this brand new division of educational ventures, we're really looking at, um, you know, Oregon State's been offering degrees for 150 years, Mm -hmm. right? And that's great. It's core to what we do. But in this new role, how do we um, look at innovative ways to create pathways to other credentials, not just degrees? So just because we've been doing it for 150 years doesn't mean it's the only thing we need to do. So we started thinking about what else should we be doing? What other types of pathways to credentials are needed by modern learners, by today's learners. And that's really where we started our thinking. And for us, we know that higher education has become so expensive and um, it's out of the realm for many learners. So how do we do something that's more affordable? And we also know time. Time is an issue. A lot of the work um, uh, students that we've helped and supported and worked with at eCampus, we envision being the students in these um, micro-credentials as well. And we know they are busy. These are working adults. They often have families, prior commitments in their communities. They're busy. So how do we develop something that's affordable and quick, but also meets the needs of today's modern learners? So we, we, we took that kind of that rationale of access affordability and then added to what are the skills that are needed in today's workforce. Mm-hmm. And really, that was the rationale for trying this. So we said, let's put something out there. Let's give this a try evaluate it and then modify if we need it but let's try something let's develop other credentials that learners can use this is such a cool concept how tightly aligned is the work you're doing um in your micro-credentialing pilot to a a competency-based education model like what is there is it sort of a, a full venn diagram is there a crossover or are they two separate things Yeah, our approach, I think, is pretty different than a lot of other universities. Our alternative credential program, when we're talking about the micro-credentials, which fits under that, is really focused on credit, right? Mm -hmm. So it is, what we're doing is we're actually taking courses 
degree uh, or credit bearing courses and rebundling them based on the skills oh, cool. that we need. So yeah. for us, this was uh, uh, a way to go faster, right? So instead of looking and creating all sorts of new courses, we we're saying, what do we have at eCampus? We have, I think, about 1,200 online courses. And all those courses have learning outcomes. So we looked at those learning outcomes and the courses that we already have, because we could move quicker. Yeah. And what if we bundled a few of them together, looking at what, a, what are the workforce needs right now? And what are the courses that have the course learning outcomes that meet those needs that make sense to bundle together? And that's how we were kind of approaching it, taking this rich, robust, high quality portfolio of online courses and rebundling, repackaging based on what we think a modern learner would need. Absolutely. You know what's kind of... what. What's striking me about this model, um, one of the foundational pieces that we ever published in the evolution that I still reference back to as I think about the transformative educational space is uh, Dave King and his... I just um, had lunch with him. Oh, okay. Well, say hi to Dave. <laughs> I will. Um, and the, the, the spectrum of learner access, yeah. the, the concept yeah. that you know there are multiple phases on, on a spectrum of access where an in, a university has a responsibility to serve its community, but mm -hmm. not everyone is necessarily looking for the rigor, the robustness, and the cost of a full degree program. And this unbundling approach really strikes me as, as, as being true to that vision of, of, a, of serving a spectrum of access by finding different access points for people to programming that might already exist. Yeah, that's great. This is uh, as I butted in and said, I just had lunch with Dave and I told him that. He's because Dave, for those of who's listening who um, don't know Dave King, he was the associate provost before I was. I was the executive director under Dave and we worked very closely over the years. And he definitely had this great vision, this very insightful vision of a spectrum of access to Oregon State University. And so I told him about what we were doing and he said something that I thought was really great. And I'm going to make him listen to this podcast so I can give him credit. But he said, I think it takes about seven years for an idea to get into place. He said, ideas come up and then, you know, at universities, it's really hard to move. And about seven years later, they are there. And I was like, huh, it has been about seven years. So there might be something there. But this but this absolutely um, connects to what Dave's thinking was and some new thinking at the university as well. So why not take what we have and unbundle it, rebundle it um, to help modern learners to make things more affordable, more accessible. But it's also looking at, I think, in this whole um, credential area, what um, can we do how do we make things stackable, right? So mm -hmm. I'm thinking of, you know, there's multiple audiences for, for micro-credentials. We actually have current students. A significant portion of our, um, the majority of our enrollment has been our current students at OSU. Mm -hmm. So they're co-skilling, right? So I'm an undergraduate student and I'm, you know, three years out to getting my degree, but I need a summer job. What if I can show I've earned, you know, digital badges, um, and that helps me get that summer job because you can see the skills I've earned in those digital badge. And these were courses I actually needed to get my degree. So we're working with those current students, but we also are looking at, and we've attracted some non-degree admits, so students who aren't part of Oregon State U University, and those are those more traditional adult learners who say this is going to help me in my career. But yet, even though they're not earning a degree, if they decide to come back and get that bachelor's degree, the post-bac, or even a graduate degree, we show on our website how these micro-credentials can be stacked into a degree. So what you're paying for for these courses, you're not going to lose any money. These will count towards certain degrees if you plan um, plan that correctly. That's so neat. You know, the, and this might be a, a stage too early, but I think it's so interesting to think about how 
building pathways for traditional learners into non-traditional or, or micro-credential programming because it's you know it, a lot of our colleagues in the continuing ed space uh, i think there's a desire to serve more folks on the tr from the traditional academy but there's a recognition that it might be two different audiences how important is building relationships with the traditional degree-seeking students at this stage to helping the university actually establish a lifelong learning relationship with those individuals based on education as opposed to, I think, the sort of student-alumni relationship that a lot of institutions maintain today, which is more oriented towards, you know, you did your learning with us maybe 10, maybe 15, maybe 20 years ago. Now you're an alumni. Please donate. Um, I don't think a lot of students tend to think about their alma mater as a place to continue learning. So when we launched this, that was definitely not necessarily like, oh, how is this going to connect with alumni giving? Really, the motivation behind this was truly access and affordability. So that's what we were trying to do. With that being said, absolutely. Um, if an alum is trying to reskill, upskill, change jobs, or just continue their education, this is absolutely an opportunity. And we love when our alums come back and retool with Oregon State. Now, in order to build the micro-credentialing model you have, obviously there's an alignment with credit programming, which isn't necessarily a common approach. How did you build an effective and collaborative relationship with the academic affairs department and specifically, obviously, with the registrar um, and eCampus to, to really get this off the ground? And of course, you know, very much speaking to uh, the topic that you and your colleagues will be discussing uh, here at the Convergence Conference, but also to the entire theme of the conference itself. Yeah, yeah. So um, eCampus at Oregon State University, which is part of the Division of Educational Ventures, is a central unit. And I think it's pretty unique. So we are a central unit, but everything we do at eCampus and within the Division of Educational Ventures has a partner. I can't think of a thing I do alone, right? Everything we build, offer, do has an academic partner. And I think that's our secret sauce in some ways. So Oregon State University eCampus isn't a standalone university, right? We're not out there on our own hiring our own faculty or, or offering our own courses. And we don't buy content from anybody else. Mm -hmm. What we do at Oregon State eCampus, as I said, is a partnership. So if we develop a course or a program, we do that with an academic partner. And they determine which faculty member is going to teach it and offer it. So it's this really great collaboration. Um, so everything we develop online, we feel is high quality. It is Oregon State. It doesn't matter if you took it online, on site. Um, it's an Oregon State course, an Oregon State degree. Our students actually come back um, to Corvallis or come for the first time, and they walk at graduation with the campus students because yeah. again it's the same degree so with that being said we have these great collaborations with um all of our academic colleges we're already working with the faculty member in course development and developing degrees so when we came up with this idea of you know we want to kind of blow up a degree and offer something in smaller pieces um they were really amenable to the idea, and actually we have faculty who are very eager to do this. They think it's a great idea as well. It increases enrollment in their courses, right? It's a good thing, and these courses are already developed. We're already using courses that have been developed. So um, what we did is I spoke with the provost, and he was definitely amenable to, to experimenting with this. We put a team together. Uh, it was, if I remember correctly, our um, graduate school, our registrar's office, academic affairs, my role in eCampus, and really started talking about what could micro-credentials look like at OSU. And as everyone knows, 
it can be many things. It can be non-credit, it can be credit. I mean, the prices can range, you know, the amount of work. And where we decided to start was really in the credit realm. And as I mentioned, what we're doing is taking the courses that we have already and rebundling them into smaller packages. So once we kind of determined what it was, then we said, can we do this, right? right? Can we offer a new credential? And the registrar's office was very clear if this was going to be listed on a transcript, there was going to be a longer process, right? If this micro-credential was on the transcript. So we said, what would be kind of the fastest way to move, right? Because there's, you know, I think at a university, there should be two, two paths. There should be these long, thoughtful paths. They're bigger lifts. And then there should also be a road that we go quickly, right? Yeah. And that's the road that we can innovate and make mistakes and then regroup. So we can look at the long path of how do we get these on the transcript, but what can we do now? Mm-hmm. And the registrar said, well, well, if there are OSU courses, we can still list those on the transcript, right? It's not going to say you have a micro-credential in Spanish, but it'll list the three Spanish classes. Got it. So we took this idea to our faculty senate executive committee and said, this is what we want to do, and we want to move quickly. Mm-hmm. And what they did was they um, appointed a micro-credential review committee. It's done at a university level. Um, it's a group of faculty member and administrators who, when we want to launch a micro-credential, they look at this, they review it, and they do the approval. So it's really quick, and that's really exciting. So we can be more market-driven right. um, because we've got this quicker approach. So that's kind of how we were doing it um, as we are kicking this off, as we evaluate it and decide, wow, we actually do need this on the transcript listed as a micro-credential. We may have to go down that the longer road. But meanwhile, what we're doing is we're awarding digital badges um, through Credly, um, and it is a partnership between um, eCampus and the Registrar's Office, and it's going very well. That is, that's a spectacular, I mean, the model's so interesting because it also, you're right, it does set the institution up to look at micro-credentialing through multiple lenses at once. It's what's the long-term vision and how can we get there today? I am curious, how did you and the team come to establishing a sense of taxonomy between the kinds of credentials that were going to be offered, what they were going to be called, and, and what they meant in, in a way that applied universally? I, I think the fact that eCampus is a central unit probably played a large role in creating cohesiveness right off the start. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was critical, right? So there is one unit um, that kind of knows what's going on in the micro-credential world on the credit side for all of Oregon State University, and I highly recommend that, right? So left hand is talking to the right hand. Um, What we're trying to do is get industry insights through a a variety of ways. We have a corporate and workforce education unit that's bringing in um, insights. We work with Guild, um, and Guild obviously works with, you know, major corporations, and we're hearing from them, you know, what are the needs of these corporations? We're bringing all this information back. And from that, we're looking at, okay, what are the courses that we have that we think the learning outcomes will meet the needs? And then we kind of figured out, we reach out to the academic colleges. We work often with associate deans there or department heads and the faculty say, we want to bundle these courses together. What do you think about participating in the micro-credential pilot? And as I mentioned, they're eager, right? Mm -hmm. There is a lot of excitement about this. Um, I think everyone gets this. Everyone, as I mentioned earlier, and I can't say it enough, really cares about access and affordability at Oregon State University, and this is a way to do it. So we're creating things um, that are uh, providing access to others who may not access OSU if we didn't have these these, uh, micro-credentials. Absolutely. And it's 
I, I love thinking about micro-credentialing through the lens of an access mission, especially from a land-grant perspective, because the two things are, they're so closely intertwined. I, obviously, we're seeing more and more leaders trying to find ways to launch and manage micro-credentialing programs in a way that is cohesive, that is aligned, that is collaborative, because I think, you know, we've seen the impact that siloing can have on, on a space like ours. What advice would you share with other leaders that, that are trying to execute models similar to what you've already got in place? Yeah, um, Bob Hansen says this often. Um, he's the CEO for UPSIA, for those of you who don't know it, and I, it just really resonated with me that alternative credentials right now kind of feels like where we were with online education 15 or 20 years ago, right? And I've been in online education for a really long time, <laughs> so I remember that. We used to really operate in the margins. Folks didn't really care too much about it. It wasn't part of, it, people didn't feel like it was the core mission to develop online programs. So we were operating in the margin, really kind of struggling on how do we prove we can do this in a high quality manner? And, you know, over the years, we've gotten there. I know at Oregon State University right now, um, our faculty are really proud of the work we do. We've been ranked in the top 10 um, by US News and World for nine straight years in a row in our undergraduate bachelors. Um, and again, as I said, we're not buying content, we're building it with our faculty. So we really feel like we've done online education the right way. So that was 15 years, 20 years of work to get there. Um, and I feel like I'm starting over again in the, <laughs> in the alternative credential, kind of operating in the margins. We yeah. do a lot of pilots, right? Pilots are a great way, and my university is very supportive of let's let's try it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of where we are. We're, we're piloting this. We are bundling three online courses together and building micro-credentials. We are seeing who enrolls. I've got a lot of details on the market, who, who's finishing who we're giving badges to, and we're gonna take all that information at the end of our two-year pilot and say, let's keep going, let's adjust, mm -hmm. or let's kill it. If it's not working, I think it's gonna work. So but <laughs> so far, so, so, good. Far, so good. <laughs> but I guess that's uh, my advice for another university is this is something that's probably gonna be happening in the margins. Um, try something. Mm -hmm. Don't wait till it's perfect and you get everything you want. That that long road um, is too long, right? right. You're going to need to do something quicker. And if it doesn't work, try something else. This is a time that I think is very similar to where we were 15, 20 years ago when we really started innovating in the online world. And I think it's an incredible opportunity for learners. Um, so I hope others try, um, jump into the alternative credential arena, and I hope that they share. Um, I always am willing to share, you know, what, what worked, what didn't, as we're all learning about this together. Absolutely. And yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's so funny. We always talk about there's never been a more important time for, but, but it's true. They're really, when you look at the, the data around uh, student, like learner completion rates, when you look at the data around enrollment rates, when you look at the, the concern people have uh, about whether or not education is, is a viable investment for them. There really has never been a more important time for us to experiment with new ways of making high quality learning accessible. One thing I am curious about actually, and, and now and for the benefit of listeners, we're going vastly off the list of questions at this stage. No problem. Um, but I, I am curious, have you found the process of marketing programming and the process of 
getting folks enrolled and getting folks engaged in programming. How have you seen those processes change now that you're shifting to a micro-credentialing model as opposed to maybe a more traditional uh, credit-bearing or degree model that, that you would have had previously? Yeah, that's a great question. So at Oregon State University, we do a biannual statewide needs assessment of adult learners through our eCampus. So about every other year, we are reaching out to potential learners who are thinking of going back to uh, finish their degree, get their first degree or get that second degree Mm -hmm. and really asking them what they're looking for. So we used our statewide needs assessment to test the concept of uh, micro-credentials. And what we learned is there is low awareness. Folks do not know what Mm micro-credentials are, but high interest. So when we described micro-credentials, great interest in them. So that is a problem, right? If you have something with low awareness Uh, We can't go out and market in our traditional way, right, if you don't know what it is. So I am lucky to have a fabulous marketing team, and they understood that we need to start with awareness, right, Right. to begin what is a micro-credential. And then once we get the awareness, we can start doing a um, more robust marketing job of, you know, these are the different options we have. So I think a a couple things we've learned along the way is it's going to take a little time for this concept to catch on, and especially when every university is calling a micro-credential something else, yep. right? And it's, it's inconsistent, that's problematic. But for us, we have seen since we've launched every term, the enrollment has increased. So hmm. we're seeing a steady rise of both campus-based students who are opting in to, to kind of co-skill why they're earning their degree, and also um, the non-degree admit students who are just jumping in on this. What we're doing um, and finding I think it has been helping is we have some certificate programs that we've already offered as a university, online certificates, undergraduate and graduate level. So we're putting the microcreds kind of on the same web page with them. So the concept of a certificate is more comfortable. So as people look for a certificate at Oregon State University, they'll then happen upon, oh, look, here's a list of micro-credentials. What are those? Right. And, and they'll be there. So I think that has been working well. Absolutely. Well, Lisa, I mean, that pretty much does it for me. Uh, I'd like to close out the way we close out every interview on, on Illumination, which is find out if someone is trying to go to dinner in Corvallis, Oregon, where do they need to go? All right. Dinner in Corvallis. So I have a few favorite places, but I think I have to give a shout out to Thai Chili. So Thai Chili is a little teeny restaurant on Monroe, so it's right on campus. And if you like Thai food, it's fabulous. Um, I tend to get the uh, pad thai. They do the spices from zero to five. And I want (laughs) to warn you, I like spicy food and I can't go past one. It is very spicy. So so that's my only caution. If you come to Corvallis, check out Thai chili. Just beware. Be very careful about the chili. Very careful on your spice level. But it's absolutely delicious right on campus. You can walk to. Portion size is great. I can usually get two or three meals out of it. And it's it's just great. That's a, a... Excellent. Honorable mention. (laughs) Lisa, thank you so much. I appreciate you. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much for inviting me. This podcast is made possible by a partnership between Modern Campus and The Evolution. The Modern Campus Engagement Platform powers solutions for non-traditional student management, web content management, catalog and curriculum management, student engagement and development, conversational text messaging, career pathways, and campus maps and virtual tours. The result, innovative institutions can create learner-to-earner life cycle that engages modern learners for life, while providing modern administrators with the tools needed to streamline workflows and drive high efficiency. 
To learn more and to find out how to modernize your campus, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.